What's up, everybody? My name is Austin Deere, and this is my co-host, Hunter Simons, and we're here to bring you episode four of the Around the Rotunda podcast. We're here to break down a uh, a pretty, I guess you could say, surprising week um, against Clemson, uh, the number one team in the country. Hunter, uh, I think things probably went a little bit better than expected in some ways, and in other ways, also a little bit frustrating. Um, you know, I think... I think there's opportunity there was opportunities there for us to maybe keep it a little bit closer than what the uh, final score showed uh, UVA did come out with a loss losing 41 to 23 but you know even though it was an 18 point game I think there was a uh, there's a lot to be excited about coming away from that game for sure definitely think there was a lot of um, good takeaways I think in terms of like losing um, you know it when you lose to a team like Clemson this number one team in the country obviously you don't want to say there's moral victories, but I, I truly felt like there were, there was a lot of positives to take from the game. Um, you know, holding someone like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and that entire offense to, I know it sounds crazy saying only 41 points, but I mean, they usually run it up even more against other teams. And we also proved an ability to effectively move the ball down the field against one of the best defenses in the country. Um, so I think there's a lot to be proud of. And at the same time, you know, echoing a lot of what Bronco said in his pressers, like we went there to win. Like we weren't there for in the business of moral victories. We went there to try to win the game. So, you know, until we do that against them, we won't be satisfied. And I just love that uh, response, you know, after a game where a lot of coaches would walk away and be like, Hey, I'm just happy we were competitive. Uh, Cause ultimately <laughs> it's kind of an accomplishment when you do that against Clemson. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, like you said, the offense was able to move the football. And, I mean, goodness gracious, it was literally just a – I think we were a few plays away from really having Clemson on their heels a little bit. And, um, you know, I think you could definitely tell the frustration from from Dabo, especially, you know, when we scored that last-minute touchdown uh, going into halftime to, you know, keep the game respectable going into the half. And, uh, you know, it was the frustration of this team doesn't belong in the same category that as us. And, you know, when you have – people on Twitter and, you know, other social media outlets saying, wow, this UVA team might be legit this year. That's something to really take note. And, you know, so overall, I think, uh, you know, like you said, you know, yes, we didn't come away with a victory here, but I think there's a lot of things that, you know, to be excited about. And, you know, let's go ahead and dive right into the game. Um, you know, first of all, uh, what kind of data Brennan have? It, it was kind of, it was almost like the same type of scenario when it came down to the Duke game. Like it was a rough start. It wasn't pretty early. Um, we really, I, mean, I think it was like, oh, first, first eight, something like that. Um, on the passing game, like it wasn't, um, I guess there was given, there was a couple drop passes there, but uh, overall it was seemed like, you know, he was rushing in the pocket again and he just didn't really, didn't really feel comfortable, which I mean, given this is his first start against a team of this caliber, I, I wasn't really expecting it to be all that pretty, to be honest. Um, he ended up finishing the day with, uh, he was 24 for 43, so over 50%. Um, 270 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, and one thing that's worth noting, he ran the ball 22 times for 89 yards. Um, he pretty much carried our running game uh, since Wayne Talapapa really wasn't that much of a factor, uh, which is kind of a little bit of a disappointment, uh, you know, since he had such a big day against Duke. And, uh, you know, we thought that, oh, wow, you know, there's a lot going to be a lot more emphasis on him. But, you know, I think I think the defensive front for Clemson is a lot more respectable than their secondary. And I think that that was kind of the main goal is to attack that. 
and you know kind of let the game play itself out and you know I think they I think overall Brennan kind of found his he found his footing and you know he we were able to sustain drives you know with his, especially with his legs uh you know he really kept the ball moving and um you know I think overall you know yes the two interceptions did definitely didn't come at timely opportunities and you know especially when you know we threw one in the end zone and gosh that that pick in the end zone I mean I think if anybody didn't get an opportunity to go watch that replay that might be the interception of the year and probably one of the best interceptions I think I've ever seen in a while um you know one-handed grab I mean it was just he stretched back and it was it was just an unreal play um by the Clemson defender and you know credit to him honestly I mean there's not a whole lot you can do about that when somebody makes a play like that but Ultimately, it just didn't really come at a good time, especially when you're trying to stay in the game late in late in the game. Um, but you know, overall, I would say we're seeing a lot of growth out of Brennan. I think he's starting to figure this offense out a little bit, starting to make the plays that are needed to make. Yeah, first off, dudes on defense aren't supposed to make catches like that. Exactly. <laughs> come on, Odell Beckham Jr. impersonation out there. Um, I mean, I think as we kind of just mentioned, you know, lots of takeaway that's promising from Brendan Armstrong. Um, I think he's proving a lot of the doubters wrong. One thing that's really notable to me after two games and, you know, you could argue what you want about Duke, maybe not being the best opponent, but one of them being against Clemson in death Valley on your second career start, he's actually leading the conference right now in total yards per game on offense, which is kind of unreal to me. I would not have expected that through two games, but, um, you know, I, I think he showed his dynamic ability as well. And overall, like what everyone says, regardless of if they think Brennan Armstrong is a good player or not, is that they at least admit he's a super tough guy that's willing to put his body on the line for the team. Um, and I think it's kind of a similar situation to last week where I said, hey, it takes him getting hit a couple of times to really start to get in the flow of the game. And by God, on that first third down play that we had, I think it was third and 10 we ran a quarterback draw where he picked up 10 yards. He got the first down, but man, did he pay for it? That middle linebacker for Clemson Skalski that looks like he could be Zane Zandier's father <laughs> laid him out. I'm sure he's still feeling that one, but uh, I mean, overall, like super impressed with him. I think he gave their defense fits when he actually got in the rhythm. Um, he was able to start finding receivers all over the field. And, you know, after a little bit of a patchy start, he really came together in the fourth quarter and, you know, put together another really promising display. So I'm at a point with him where I expect him to do well. And, you know, I think that he is just endearing himself to Cavalier fans across the, you know, across the state, across the country now. It's just that emotion that he plays with, like we had kind of alluded to in the preseason preview. So I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. And I know that there's still a whole lot he can get better at as well. So really optimistic there. For sure. And, you know, I think, I think this is one thing that is kind of I've noticed so far is you know when you're making your first two starts ever, you know it's it can be frustrating when you throw a pick here and there and you know that could really kill somebody's mindset. I think Brennan just has this killer mentality out there of you know an interception here or there isn't going to let him isn't going to stop him from playing the game that he knows how he can play it. You know it's he's he's going to continue to fight and do whatever he can and make sure you know we find a way to win that football game. And you know I think we saw that especially against Duke. And, you know, we saw this in the Clemson game as well. I mean, sure, you know, Clemson is a little bit more of a different opponent and everything, but uh, overall there was a lot of fight left all the way down to the end. And I mean, we can count this as a blessing that we didn't give up a 60 spot this year. 
Um, but you know, as far as as far as hitting on the water receiving corps, um, you know, this was this is the Billy Kemp show. He uh, he did it last year against Clemson, and he did it again this year. Uh, Ten receptions for ninety six yards. He's become a very, he's become a very respectable slot receiver. I mean, he's not the he's not the you know the big you know household name that everybody talks about and. You know, oh man, like you know, not that he's not. He wasn't that big guy coming into college that oh, everybody expected to be a superstar. Which, in in a way, like I wouldn't necessarily say he still is. He's just kind of that guy that flies under the radar and gets the job done. I mean, ten receptions for ninety six yards. He catches the football. He finds finds ways to get it open. He's a great slot receiver. He's everything that you could ask for a slot receiver. Um, you know, it was sure. a and you know it was good that he did that. Because Clemson found a way to lock down Lavelle Davis. You know, obviously that was probably a primary primary emphasis for them. He only had two receptions for 58 yards. So, you know, it was a uh, you know, that was a that was a big thing. And you know, Jana, Jana and uh Tony Poljan both had steady days. They both caught touchdowns. I think uh Jana had five receptions for like 50 some yards and uh Poljan had three receptions as well to add to that. But you know, overall I think I don't think Billy Kemp really gets enough credit for the impact that he has in this passing game. And, you know, he's a hometown guy right here in Richmond, Virginia. And um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see the success that he's having there. And uh, he's kind of really, I think starting to really make a name for himself. People are starting to get excited and, and kind of know, uh, especially in just the Virginia community as a whole, they're starting to know who this kid is. And, um, you know, how about a uh, Keaton Thompson with a receiving touchdown question mark? Um, you know, that was definitely a uh, surprise, um, but I think this is kind of what, you know, they've been talking about. Yeah, surprise for some. You know, I think this is something that we kind of were hinting at uh, in preseason of how are they going to utilize him with Brennan being a starting quarterback? You know, are they going to kind of have two have offensive sets where both of them are on the field? And, you know, I think this was the you know question where you throw a, a 99, number 99 quarterback out there and everybody's like, what the heck is this guy doing out here? And like, nobody knows what to do with it wide open the end zone for a three yard touchdown. And, you know, there you go. Um, so that was pretty interesting to see, you know, I'm really interested to see, you know, going forward, you know, how, how are they going to, how else are they going to find ways to use him? You know, I think we could possibly see him end up in the backfield with Brennan at times and you know, we could really, it could really open up some opportunities for, for big plays as well. Yeah, man. And I want to go back to Billy Kemp just for a second, because one additional thing that I just think is so impressive and, you know, obviously here as like UVA fans, like I think we had, I think I gave you my sleeper pick before the season started. And I know I wasn't alone within the fan base in saying this, that I think he might just lead the team in receptions this year because of just the role he's going to play, kind of filling in to Joe Reed's shoes and the keys before him. That's just such an essential role in UVA's short passing game. But, you know, another thing just to, I think is really notable is that in Dabo's press conference, in the week, you know, during the week leading up to the game, he name dropped and called out Billy Kemp as someone that they're worried about and that they need to prepare for. And knowing that like Clemson does their homework on the teams they're playing against, they scheme, you know, they, they, they implement schemes to try to prevent the players on the other team that they identify as like impactful from making plays. And yet he still had 10 receptions for 96 yards and, was like an essential part of our offense moving the ball forward. So I think that's a, just a testament to him. You know, obviously I'm sure they, they were also trying to implement some schemes to prevent some Lavelle Davis long touchdown plays. And, you know, you can say that that kind of worked, although he still averaged over 25 yards per reception, but Kemp, they had no real answer for. I mean, he when he got down the field and was open, I mean, 
he made he made things happen and he's clearly demonstrating an ability to do that no matter who the opponent is um and with you know with Keaton Thompson I think based on the way Bronco talked in the presser and you know some rumblings that I had heard from a couple of people coming out of camp I I think he's essentially a full-time receiver at this point I mean I'm you know god forbid something happens to Brennan you know he probably factors into that equation but I think they feel comfortable enough with the other backup quarterbacks that they have that clearly they're willing to put him out on the field on not just gadget plays. Like he's, he's a part of the offense as a receiver and whether he's, you know, he has only gotten one reception on the year so far, but he's played a really big role in the blocking, you know, and, and, and run blocking and also like getting down the field on when someone catches a route or catches a ball on a route underneath. Um, so I think that he, you know, expect to see him, play even more um I, w- I would only anticipate his involvement to increase now for sure for sure and um you know I think it's worth noting with the with the offensive line as well you know I, I really want to give a lot of credit to them they only allowed three sacks on the entire day which you know given when you really think about it is probably not the greatest thing in the world but it definitely could have been a lot worse um given that front seven I think it's really a testament yeah. as to how good this offensive line is I mean Brennan ran the ball for what is it 80 89 yards yeah 89 yards on the ground for sure. just for him alone. And, you know, he had a lot of time in the pocket to throw. I really felt like, you know, they, they protected Brennan the best, you know, the best possible way they could, especially with a, with a more, you know, mature Clemson off Clemson defensive line. Uh, so definitely a lot of uh, impressive stuff there. Um, as far as the defense goes, um, you know, I think th- there was, it, it was pretty clear that it wasn't their best day. There was a lot of missed tackles, a lot of third down longs. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you can get into that a little bit more uh, here shortly, but uh, Nick Jackson uh, led the team in tackles with 12, um, you know, Jackson, Nick Jackson, Joey Blunt, Zane Zandier, and Noah Taylor combined for 34 out of the 54 tackles for the entire team. So pretty much the four of them were the big key players um, for the day. Um, one thing, I, one guy I wanted to really give a shout out to was uh, Jameer Carter. He's a true freshman. Uh, he had a a run stop at uh, right around the goal line when Clemson was about to score. Uh, running back ran right up the middle, and he busted right through the Clemson offensive line and, and, and made the stop, and they didn't go anywhere. I just think that's such a testament as to what this guy could possibly be capable of. I was excited when he committed to UVA, um, especially because I, um, I follow his dad on, 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 on Twitter, and, you know, he just preaches hard work and strength. And, uh, you know, I think, I think this is a kid that people are going to want to remember going forward. Uh, Jameer Carter, he's, he's, he could be a huge force on that defensive line. And um, especially with Jawan Briggs and those guys up there, man, it could be a lot of fun to watch how, how these guys develop. Um, so that's as far as the defense goes, um, nothing really too early. So we didn't have any inter- turnovers, uh, which I think was pretty a big, big factor. But when you're playing against guys like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, they're going to take care of the football. And, you know, we saw that again uh, here this, this weekend. And, you know, they, they drove the ball down. We had a lot of opportunities to stop them. And flat out, we didn't. And, um, you know, ultimately, yeah. that's what kind of led to the final score. It ended up being what it was. And so kind of looking at yeah. our, the score outcome and you know, we originally projected. I, I want to get a couple points in before you run ahead too far. <laughs> All right, well, then go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We can take, we well, can take a step to, back. I just want to, you know, call out. Yeah, and I mean, Blunt, Blunt was really impressive to me on the day, and he, he only played like 75% of the downs as I think he was battling some hamstring injuries throughout the day. Um, but, you know, he, he got a sack by way of an intentional grounding. 
Richard Bernie had another sack. Um, so he's got two sacks in two games, which I think might be more than he had of all last season, or at least close to the total season mark that he had. Um, and then I'm sorry, I wanted to rewind one second back to the offensive line as well. Just one thing I think that's really worth pointing out is, you know, think back through the past five years of UVA football, essentially since Broncos taken the helm, I, I can't even think of more than one instance where Virginia ran a quarterback sneak. Um, and anytime that they did, I, I, I mean, I, when, when a team hardly ever runs quarterback sneaks, it's not necessarily anything about the quarterback as much as it's just not having a lot of faith in the offensive line, being able to get a big enough push. And I think we saw our offense, we, we ran two quarterback sneaks in one game against Clemson, who's obviously going to have a very physical, large defensive line. Um, yeah. So seeing our coaching staff have the faith in the offensive line to put them in a situation where we say, no, like we're going to match up against you and you, you know, we're about to run the football and that's okay because we know we have the guys up front and we have the people running the football that are going to be able to get the job done. So, you know, even seeing, I think there was one like fourth and one play where we ran Calapapa off tackle. I mean, to get off tackle on a fourth and one situation where the box is stacked that tight, you have to have a really good initial surge um, with the offensive line. So just seeing plays like that, even being capable of being run rather than just trying to like smash the ball up the middle and Wayne create a hole by running into offensive linemen. I mean, I think that's just like huge, like it might be these things that, you know, the average person doesn't see, but like when, when you're looking at the game super analytically, that's, you know, that's a really good sign. So I just wanted to make a couple of those points before we run too far ahead. Appreciate yeah, you allotting sure. me. For sure. Time. No, I was, I was just so excited. <laughs> I was so excited about how close we were on the projected score outcomes. I mean, I, I put it at 42 to 10. So a little bit closer. UVA put up a few more points than I was expecting. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to be upset about that. And, you know, you almost had a dead on the money at 41 to 17. So I think for the most part, our uh, score predictions were pretty respectable on, on that front. <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, um, and I've had the same trend back-to-back -back weeks. I project um, the other team's score correctly, but I have been missing one touchdown for UVA in my prediction. I think I had 31 to 20 as my Duke prediction. That one ended up 38 to 20. And then obviously this game ended up being 41 to 23. I had 41 to 17. Um, so I got to have a little bit more faith in the UVA offense is what I'm hearing. Exactly. <laughs> so you're on a roll. And, uh, you know, talking about, you know, you being on a roll, let's, uh, you know, you, you kind of give, gave our keys to victory. And, you know, why don't you uh, kind of go over uh, what, how, how you sure. fared in those, uh, in those keys. Yeah, definitely. So um, the first key to victory that I had laid out before this game was being played was uh, to limit big plays. Um, and I actually gave us a B plus overall here. Um, I had talked about last week, how last year when we played Clemson, the thing that killed us more than anything else was actually just getting the, the, the receivers getting over the top of our defense and uh, running backs, breaking tackles for long runs. And obviously that kind of happened a little bit in, in this game, but for the most part, I had talked about setting a seal over the top of the defense and, essentially make them play underneath us and rely on our defensive backs to make tackles um, and, and to be able to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And while we didn't get a ton of sacks, you know, we had two, we still, he was having to get the ball out a little bit quicker than I think he's used to. Um, he wasn't able to make the throws downfield that he has been able to in the past, especially against Virginia. 
Um, so I felt like we actually did really well. Um, the longest touchdown was only 27 yards to Amar Amari Rogers. And if you remember that play, it was Trevor Lawrence made an unbelievable throw where um, Rogers was over on the left sideline and he saw space in the middle of the field and basically chucked the ball over to where the space was, knowing that his receiver could pull off of our safety. Um, so, it, it, you know, you hear all the time in the media talk, people talking about Trevor Lawrence throwing his receivers open. That was a classic case of that. So if that's the biggest touchdown play we gave up, you know, I think that we have to say that we did a pretty good job here. Um, so I was, I was happy with that, that aspect of the game. Um, the second piece that I had was for UVA to establish the run. Um, I've, give, I've given us a C plus for this. We actually ran the ball relatively well in terms of yardage. We had 147 yards on the ground, which actually outgained Clemson by 10 yards in this category. Um, obviously, a majority of the yards came from Armstrong on his 22 carries with 89 yards. Um, but I also thought that Talapapa had a pretty solid game. You know, he only had 13 carries, but he was able to get 49 yards, which isn't the greatest yards per carry. But when you factor in against the defense that we were playing against, um, and the fact that most of his runs came in obvious like run situations, I would say, you know, there, there's definitely progress. And, and a lot of that comes from, comes from the offensive line. Um, so I, I think, you know, getting a C plus in this category, not the end of the world, um, but we also have some places that we can improve as well. And then the final category that I had had as um, our key to victory was taking our chances. Um, and I've given us a C here. Um, and there's like a bunch of offsetting stuff that I see, you know, the good things were that as I had hoped for, we didn't really ever back down when the situation got big. And when, when we had fourth downs in their territory, we almost always went for it. Well, um, you know, we displayed a willingness to go out and try to make big plays, even when they didn't work. Um, and, uh, you know, quite a few times they did work and we able, we were able to come up with the right play to advance the ball and, you know, and fourth down deep in their territory that extended drives that ended up leading to points. Um, the bad side was that there were a couple of times in terms of execution where we made some costly mistakes that, you know, had we not made those mistakes, we could have really made Clemson sweat. Um, the biggest one that comes to mind was the, the first drive of the second half. You know, we had come off of just scoring a touchdown right before halftime uh, to make the score 24 to 10. It felt like momentum was on our side and we knew we were getting the ball first in the second half. And, you know, we get the ball and we just march right down the field. Um, you know, we, we have a really nice drive going and uh, Brandon Armstrong had a beautiful completion down the left sideline to Davis on like a 25, 30 yard play. Um, and I think he got a little bit too overly eager to make it happen again on the next play. And that's when Clemson did make the remarkable one-handed interception so I think it's just decision-making and a little bit of execution. Um, and then I think there was one other instance in the fourth quarter when we had gotten down the field into the red zone and went for it on a fourth down. And we tried a lob ball to pole Jan in a one-on-one -on -one situation with a pretty athletic safety um, where I, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of the play call, but I respected the fact that we were going for it in that situation. So, you know, I think the best part of, of this you know, key to the game was that it didn't really come down to the decision-making on the coaches' staff. Um, it was really actually just execution and in key moments, we came short, came up short a couple of times. And I think if we can find a way, especially as this team gels and becomes more mature to 
turn a couple of those instances into points. Like guys are really not as far away from this, like the Clemsons of the world as it might feel like. Um, it really is just a game of three or four or five plays. For sure. No, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, you, you hit a, you know, hit it around the nail, you know, it's a, it was a very much an up and down game. Like a lot of things to be happy about, you know, a couple of things, obviously, you know, when you look back at the game, you know, as far as, you know, just my reaction goes, you know, third and third and longs way, way too many uh, conversions on, on Clemson's part, you know, take a couple away, take, take a couple of those away and you have a whole, whole new ball game. You know, we're getting more offensive possessions. Clemson's being stalled and, you know, just, plays that we couldn't afford to have happen are the ones that happened. And, you know, and that contributed, you know, as tackling issues were, you know, a main factor in that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, overall, just a couple other things, you know, Brennan's future is obviously very bright. Uh, you know, I definitely, we're, definitely think we're seeing more pieces from him that is exciting. And I think it's only going to get better as the year goes on. So I'm definitely happy to definitely, you know, excited about that. Um, you know, Kemp is the pretty much the hero of the wide receiving group, I think right now. Um, especially until uh, Jana, I think, really turns it on, which I'm hoping will happen uh, in the next game, if not the next couple. It was good to see him get a touchdown this this past week. But, you know, we definitely need a little more production out of him, I think, if, uh, if we really want this offense to succeed. Um, and then, so, I think we just we, – we honestly learned – we just learned a lot about ourselves, I think, during this game. Uh, it was – there was a lot that we learned on offense as far as, you know, Brennan goes – we learned on defense. I think tackling needs to be better. And I think the coaches know that. Um, so I think as far as, you know, we can take away from this game, obviously, yes, we lost and it's upsetting about that. But what we can take away is that this was a completely different ball game than what we saw in the ACC championship. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a blowout victory where it never felt like we had a prayer. Like people were sweating in the third quarter wondering, oh man, is UVA actually going to keep this game close? And so, you know, I think that's uh, something to something to be excited about. I mean, Trevor Lawrence played every drive of the game except for one, and the one drive that he didn't play, there was what? Like, it was we attempted an onside kick that they recovered, and the guy essentially just ran out the clock. They came in at quarterback. I mean, how often do you get to see Trevor Lawrence in the fourth quarter of an ACC football game? Not very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone out there in the media that's saying – you know, oh, you know, Clemson just Clemson them. Like, you know, no, they didn't. Like anyone that actually watched the game and that's a a reputable, um, you know, pundit within the media has come out and said like, wow, Virginia really impressed me. Brennan Armstrong really impressed me. Clemson, it, it wasn't a matter of Clemson having a bad game. Virginia just came to play and competed, um, and showed that they belong. And, I think that's just a huge testament to how far we've come as a program. And um, one other thing that I wanted to note that I thought was pretty funny was um, I can't remember if it was in the coach's corner or the, the weekly press conference that Bronco does, but he had, uh, <clears throat> he had mentioned that, uh, you know, he was asked a question about the third and longs and that being an issue. And, you know, obviously any fan, you don't even have to be a huge football fan to understand like, Hey, you get a team with a third and 16, they probably shouldn't convert. Um, but he made the point that in the game plan all week, their thought process was, hey, we're going to be able to get Clemson in a bunch of third and short situations, and that's where we're going to have to stop them. Um, you know, we, we assume that they'll gain a couple of yards on first and second down and that we should 
try to stop them in this third and short to third and medium game. He didn't ever in his wildest dreams assume that Clemson's average yards to gain on third down would be 8.8 yards. And a majority of them, or you know, at least a, a good number of them were over 10 yards. And exactly. he truly, he just candidly said, we didn't have a game plan for that because we didn't expect that to happen. And, you know, next time around, you can bet your butt that Bronco will be prepared for third and 16. So I think I just thought that was pretty funny though. And like, just, you know, it, 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 it comes down to like the way that you prepare and this, this coaching staff hardly ever makes the same mistake twice. So I know that they'll be prepared uh, if they get another shot at Clemson, whether it's later this season or maybe down the road in another season. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, this upcoming week, we have uh, NC State, who's coming off a huge win against Pitt. Uh, but before we get to that, I think we have something that we need to address that happened this past week. Um, Hunter, do you want to address the ACC Network, first of all? And then I have one specific person that I would like to rant about for a quick minute. So go ahead and tell us about your issues with the ACC Network. Sure. So you know, I kind of started a thread on Twitter by accident when I just started noticing things throughout the day where I was just like, man, how unprofessional is the ACC network? And I get that there are some circumstances they're working with during like this COVID era where maybe they don't have quite the production team on site that they normally do. But like, I mean, it was kind of ridiculous, man. Like <laughs> I was watching the the North Carolina or sorry, the Duke versus Virginia Tech game before the Virginia game. And the number of times that they messed up the down and distance to go, I saw one where it said like zero down and like a hundred yards to go. And I was like, how is that even like programmable into the system for one? And then a couple of times, you know, there was like plays where I guess whoever was setting that number on the screen assumed that they had gotten a first down on the play before, but in reality, it was like a third down and two. And, you know, the team maybe has a, a negative one yard play and has to punt on the next play. And you look at the screen and it says it's second 11 and you see a team out on the field in punt formation. It's just like, come on guys, this is like the most basic stuff in broadcasting. And then, don't even get me started on the announcers. Like that was a problem last year too. Like they're just sometimes so uneducated about like what they're actually talking about, but it's just, it's a continuation. And honestly, I've just not been impressed with the ACC network at all. And I, I, I thought maybe after the first year, they'd be able to work out a couple of kinks, maybe replace a, a few people that weren't really getting the job done. And really all they've done is doubled down on the people they have and the production value has gotten worse and, it's honestly just kind of miserable to watch. I mean, especially when your team is the one that's subject to the horrible production. So, um, and I, I know we have a big bone to pick with uh, Mr. Mark. So I'll, I'll let you unleash your wrath on him. All right. So uh, I promised in the tweet uh, that I would be going on a rant. Well, I'm going to try and keep it short and sweet, but I would like to talk about Mr. Mark Rick for a quick moment. In case that you didn't know, after UVA's win versus Duke, our wonderful athletic trainer, who has been super helpful with helping our team fight off COVID-19 through the spring and summer, got to break the rock at the end of the game after we won. 
super cool moment, everything that you could have asked for, for an opening season win, especially for a team that has really, you know, prided themselves on their, you know, with the things that they put in place to, you know, keep the team safe from the disease. And the report came out before the Clemson game that UVA had seven players inactive because they had tested positive for COVID earlier on in the week, but everything was fine before the Clemson game. So we were able to play the game. No, no harm, no foul. Wasn't any starters. So UVA ended up being okay. This man, Mark Rick had the audacity to say that, Oh, well, maybe they, uh, maybe they counted their chickens a little too early and she shouldn't have broken the rock. I'm sorry, what? First of all, if you think that we're the only program having this issue, much less it was seven cases, seven cases since the start of camp. Give me a break, Mark. I used to have a lot of respect for this guy. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was a class act dude, but to seriously go out and mock the fact that she had to break the rock because the team had so much pride and the amount of work that she had put in to keep this team safe is absolutely classless. It's on, it's disrespectful and it's completely unprofessional. It's absurd. Absolutely. And I was disgusted when I heard it I was disgusted. And yep. there's a reason why you're at the age that you are and you're sitting in an ACC network booth because you couldn't ever win a big game in your coaching career. You failed at Miami in a down year for the ACC conference, and you had the balls to go on ACC Network and say something like that. Give me a freaking break. Man doesn't deserve to be in that job anymore. My rant's over. Take that for what you will, and let's move on to NC State. Mark Rick. Hold on. I want to I call out one thing that I thought was pretty funny, too, though. I mean, the situation itself is very sad because um, if you hadn't heard Bobby Bowden you know, longtime Florida State coach. He's 90 years old. He he contracted uh, COVID-19, which is obviously a horrible situation. And we all hope the best for him. Obviously, he gave UVA pain throughout the year, but everyone respects that man for who he is on and off the field. Um, and, and Mark Rick cites Bobby Bowden as his biggest mentor ever. Um, if If he acted, if he had even one drop of the integrity of Bobby Bowden, he would have never made a comment like that on national television. Um, and, you know, Mark Rick comes out literally, I think it was Sunday or maybe it was Monday, um, tweeting about Bobby Bowden um, and how he was just, you know, mortified or not mortified, but just completely sick at the thought that his mentor is, is, is ill with this sickness. And I couldn't help but respond to him and, and say, you know, all the best to Bobby Bowden. Maybe you shouldn't be making tongue-in-cheek remarks about people contracting COVID now. Um, I mean, just ridiculous that this guy has the audacity. That's after programs like Virginia Tech, you know, and I, I'm not here to beat down Virginia Tech at the moment in time. Like, but they have 20-plus people out with COVID each week. And you have the, the audacity to come at University of Virginia who – clearly hasn't demonstrated a way to or demonstrate an ability to 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 fight this and and to set up the protocols necessary i just think it's such a it's so bush league to me honestly and it and it just perfectly encapsulated the weekend that was acc network in terms of its unprofessionalism and honestly at this moment in time i say comcast people don't even think about switching because 
yeah, you, you, you miss out on the University of Virginia games, but that that station is just a complete joke in my mind. And they, I've lost entire respect for it now. And let's just be honest, they never liked UVA in the first place. They make it really obvious during football season and even during basketball season um, when we're literally the best team in the conference, if not the best team, the second best team. And all they can talk about is Duke and Florida State. And you know what? Like, I'm just sick of it. So that's my portion of the rant. I had to get that out as well. <laughs> I completely agree with you. And let's let's be. And I just want to be clear before we move on to previewing NC State. You know, obviously, you know, yes, we use Virginia Tech as an example, but you know, we you know we we hate that anybody is contracting this disease and Absolutely. is dealing with it in in general. You know, we we wouldn't wish that upon anyone, not even our biggest rivals. You know, we, we want everybody to be healthy. We want everybody to be able to enjoy the game of football. So that's not the point that we're trying to make here, and we're not trying to throw shots at anybody. It's just a the fact that these comments are being made in the middle of a pandemic is unexcusable, unexcusable. And mm-hmm. it just it made, it made me sick. It still does. And I'm so glad that I could go on that rant because I really needed to. But that being <laughs> said, it's a new week, and – we're, like I said, we're playing an NC State team this week that is uh, coming off a pretty big win against a Pitt team that was known for their defense, and NC State racked up 30 points against them. Um, so definitely some interesting things there after after they kind of looked like crap against Virginia Tech uh, the week before, and you know this team came out and firing on all cylinders. Um, they're led by their quarterback Devin uh, Devin Leary. He's honestly, I watched a little bit of that NC State pig game, and you know, I was extremely impressed with him. I think he really can command the field. He uh, has a good vision for coverages, and I mean, his stats show it. He's 40 for 60 with 501 yards and five touchdowns with no interceptions. Dude's just a smart wall player. Um, so I think that's he's somebody that we're really going to look out for. And the way he, you know, kind of tore up Pitt's defense was, you know, it's a, it's got to be a little bit of alarming for. For as a UVA fan to see something like that, where a pit, you know, a pit team whose defense is is their bread and butter, you know, kind of like how UVA's is this year, you know, one has to wonder. Okay, well, hopefully, hopefully Bronco and staff is going to be able to see kind of what they did and you know what kind of uh, you know how are we going to slow this guy down? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think that he wasn't started in that Virginia Tech game, and I do know that he had to sit out, um, I believe it was the Wake Forest game that they had early in the season due to COVID protocols. I believe he was part of contact tracing. Um, But to think that he wasn't playing under center every snap possible that he was available to play is kind of unbelievable. Um, But since he's been able to take over that offense, it's been a completely different team. Um, And I think even their defense has fed off of the offensive production, just not feeling that same pressure to, to, you know, to get off of the field. I think that they know that their offense can put up some points now. Um, and, you know, I think coming into the season, everyone knew that they had a, a couple good running backs that I know you're about to touch on that would be able to, you know, put up some pretty good numbers. And I think having Leary behind center has really been able to alleviate that running game and provided even more opportunities to be successful just because he's been able to, to you know, to, to command the field as well as you just kind of mentioned he's I mean he's put up some incredible numbers for just two games playing and um, I think he's added a whole different uh, twist to their offense that's allowing them to be a lot more successful now 
Sure. And, you know, speaking about, you know, NC State's running game, it's pretty much a running back by committee with, you know, two, two main guys and, and Zonovan Knight and Ricky Pearson. Um, you know, these, these two guys have really lit it up the first uh, three games. And, you know, they, uh, Zonovan has 32 attempts for 220 yards and touchdown and uh, Ricky Pearson has 41 attempts for 202 yards and three touchdowns. So they really definitely lean heavily on these two guys. So, you know, don't expect, uh, you know, don't shy away from, you know, seeing both of them on, on the field, possibly at the same time or, you know, in different types of uh, formations. And, you know, it's, it could be, it could be a real problem trying to prepare for something like that when you have two, you know, two main guys that are, you know, carrying the load back there. Yeah, and I believe Zonovan Knight's nickname is Bam. I think he's regularly called Bam Knight. And if you're a running back with the nickname Bam, I think that kind of lends <laughs> I, I think that kind of tells you what sort of running back he is. Um uh, he, he's a big dude. He's not afraid to run you over at all. And uh, you know, you might be in the right place to make the tackle, but you gotta bring him down actually to the ground because he will run you over. Um but you know, as we'll touch on as we get further along, I, I feel pretty good about our ability to stop the run so far this year, but we can touch on that in the keys to victory section. For sure. For sure. So, and, you know, going into their receiving corp for what I could tell, they had, you know, three main guys that they typically, you know, kind of look towards uh, Devin Carter, especially this dude's six foot four. He's got 10 receptions of 181 yards on the year and one touchdown. Um, you know, we saw, uh, we saw, uh, Devin Leary, especially throw a couple of back shoulder passes to him, you know, with his height and everything, it's, he, he's definitely going to be uh, something that we have to look for, especially uh, our corners and safeties. They, if, especially if they get uh, in one-on-one matchups with him, they're really going to have to try and keep him off the ball as much as possible. Um, but uh, then you have also uh, Mika Amizi, uh, who has 12 receptions for 145 yards and two touchdowns. And you have their tight end, who uh, uh, carry uh, Angeline, who has eight receptions for 122 yards and three touchdowns. So definitely looking tight end route, probably once they get into the red zone, probably looking for that big guy, you know, coming out of you know, possibly a play action out of the goal line formation or something like that. You know, there's a lot of probably different packages that we could definitely see that used. Um, but you know, overall, as, as an offense, I think this is a uh, this is a team that you know clearly they they know how to move the football. They can put up points against good defenses like Pitt, and uh, something that UVA should definitely be wary of. Yeah, and I think the Amika Amezi guy is one that uh, he, he had a huge game against Pittsburgh, and he actually is the one that caught the game-winning touchdown for them on you know in the in the in the in the the, the, the twilight of the game last week where they were able to take the lead on the last possession. Um, he actually has played for them, I think, for a few years now. If I remember correctly, he scored against Virginia a few years back as well. Um, and he's kind of – he's very similar to the Devin Carter guys. Well, I believe he's a six foot three receiver, kind of in the build of a Hasis Dubois, where he's not, like, going to kill you with athleticism in terms of speed and, uh, you know, ability to, like, jump through the roof. But – He's got this physical size and ability to kind of fend off defenders and create space for himself just with his physicality. Um, so that'll really, you know, put our defense and our cornerbacks specifically up to the task to to show what sort of progress we've made in that part of the the, the game. One hundred percent. And you know, when you look at this team's defense, uh, you know, obviously they gave up twenty nine points to Pitt, gave up I think over forty points to Virginia Tech. So it's kind of probably suspect as to how good this defense really is. This is, I think, probably the game that I would expect Brennan to really have his, you know, coming out party. I think he has, I think he could possibly be in line for a really big day. Uh, but, you know, one thing that's worth noting is that NC State does have a very good linebacker group kind of, you know, 
probably within the, almost the same caliber of ours. I don't know if it's as good, but they definitely hold this defense together. Uh, Drake Thomas, Isaiah Moore, and Peyton Wilson are all are all guys that you know really they carry they carry the tackle load for this team. They they're all over the field and they they help with the run as well. Um, you know, I definitely think that these are the three guys that you kind of have to pay attention to. Um, and uh, so they two the three of them they actually combined for sixty four tackles uh, in the first three games. That's that's quite a bit. Um, you know, I think I I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of suspect on this defense watching them against Pitt. I don't. I've never really thought that Pitt had all that great of an offense. And um, you know, I th- I think there were there were some times where it's like you know I kind of sit there and watch. And I'm like, man, we could. I think we could really do some damage against these guys. Um, but they do get the they do get to the QB. They have nine sacks through three games. I um, mean, you know, that's pretty respectable. So they have a pretty good pretty good front. Uh, you know, I, I think their front seven is you know something that you know we'll have, definitely have to look look at. Uh, I think the offensive line, uh, if they continue to play as well as they do, I don't, you know, I don't know how much uh, trouble this NC State team is really going to give them, but, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And they really haven't forced a whole lot of turnovers. They have one fumble recovery on the year. They don't have any interceptions. So, like I said, I think, I think the secondary is suspect. I think this is a time that Brennan could really succeed. Um, And, you know, I think if he really takes care of the football and if we protect him in the pocket, then it could be a big day for him. Without a doubt. And, you know, if there was a game for us to prove it in the sense of saying that, you know, we've established a run game this year and we've improved that part of our game. I mean, look what Virginia Tech did to this defense with, you know, some honestly relatively simple play calling, just really great blocking up front. Um, If you can get create some holes, the secondary has, you know, their secondary does not tackle super well in the open field. So if you can get guys out in space, especially coming out of the backfield on long run plays, it could be goodbye. Like Khalil Herbert, the guy from Virginia Tech that's, you know, been really impressive so far for them. Um, he had a field day against NC State. And I think that, you know, we have the potential to do that as well. Um, you know, Pitt, despite what we all kind of just assume about Pitt being like a run first ground and pound type team, they've kind of started to move away from that in the past two years and become a really pass heavy offense. And, uh, you know, they weren't really able to put up any great rushing numbers against NC State, but I don't really know if they emphasized it too much. They, I think Kenny Pickett ended up throwing for 400 yards. Um, and I don't think they really attempted many rushes. So I could see some read option type plays with uh, Brennan Armstrong and Talapapa in the backfield and maybe throwing a little Shane Simpson as well. I could see those working really favorably as we like start the game off and then the, you know, what that opens up in the play action game and the short passing game as well coming out of it. I really like our chances against this defense, but we will have to execute um, to be able to produce. For, for sure, for sure. Um, and lastly, going into their special teams, um, their kicker is very much respectable. Uh, his name's Christopher Dunn. He's perfect on field goals this year, and he has one uh, that he's drilled from 50 plus. Uh, so, you know, if we, if it comes down to, you know, crunch time, you know, something that we have to really think about is, you know, they're looking 35, 35 yard line or so they're in field goal range. And, you know, hopefully we hopefully the defense can step up where we're not going to be in a situation like that, where they can hit a field goal to win it or anything or anything to, um, to that extent, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so, you know, overall, I think, uh, I think this is a team that, and as you say, that's it, probably, might be starting to find their footing. I think there's still some inconsistencies there, um, but you know, I think uh, I think we're, they're definitely going to give us more of a fight than Duke did. 
Um, I think I think we're definitely going to have a challenge here, but I still see us outperforming this team. I think I think it could be close, maybe maybe midway through the third quarter, and then you know, a couple plays go our way, and and you know we can really turn the tide. So, but you know, speaking yeah. speaking of what's our road to victory, Hunter? Uh, you know what what do you what what does our team need to do to uh, pull out the the get back on the winning winning track against NC State? For sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll lay out a couple individual points that I have, but I think holistically kind of piggybacking off of what you said, if we just play our game, play a solid game and execute on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, yes, it might be a little bit close, but we are the more talented team. We are the better football team. We should win if we do are able to do that. Now, in terms of how we go about doing that, um, you know, the first thing that I see is we really, really need to get this like monkey off our back in the first quarter um, in terms of like slow starts offensively. Um, you know, the, the coaches have really been emphasizing it in the media this week. Brendan Armstrong's been emphasizing it. I heard Dylan Rankinsmeyer emphasizing it. You hear it from all around the program that they're adding emphasis to starting quickly in games and putting Brennan in situations where he can feel comfortable early on. And it doesn't take until the second or third quarter for him to really start lighting it up. Um, so I think, you know, that that's to me just the next step in his development as a quarterback is just finding a way to be uh, the guy he is in the fourth quarter during the first drive of the game as well. And that's something that Bryce Perkins had to learn over time as well. Um, you know, early on, I think you had just kind of mentioned this in, in our preseason prediction podcast, we had labeled this game as a potential breakout party for Brennan Armstrong. And I still think that's a hundred percent on the table. Um, he's starting to gain a little bit of respect around the country, but me, being met equally with people complaining about his completion percentage and the interceptions and all this. And I think it's time to put all the haters to bed and, and show them like, Hey, like this guy can really ball. You have something to, to worry about when you go up against the university of Virginia. Um, and, you know, I think the last thing is if we're able to score quickly and just get, get points on the board in the first couple of drives, and maybe distance ourselves from NC State a little bit, um, you know, that would kill their belief really early on. And I think that could do a lot of, like, that could do a lot for this team, especially in this kind of season where, um, you know, it's just such an odd year. A team on the road goes down early to a gritty, tough team like Virginia that's going to make you like work for everything. If you go down early and you're not really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you might see a team just honestly give up <laughs> on themselves. Um, and they haven't really shown a sign of doing that this year, but, you know, I, I would just think that that's something that we could possibly do by just like almost that boa constrictor type effect of just, you know, putting points on the board and then the defense getting a bunch of stops. I could see us really um, distancing ourselves. We're able to do that early on in the game. Um, second piece, and we touched on this a little bit when we were talking about NC State's receiving core and Devin Leary as a quarterback, but I think a really important thing is going to be our individual matchups in defensive coverage. Um, so Leary has demonstrated this ability repeatedly, especially in the pit game where he's able to make these honestly beautiful um, back shoulder throws in the corner of the end zone or right near the sideline where his large receivers are able to get up field and then use the leverage of their large frame to create a bit of space on the sideline, some questionable push off penalties. The refs will have to be on their game, but you know, all that being said, they didn't call it throughout the game um, and their receivers were able to get some separation 
Um, so, you know, Devontae Cross, Nick Grant, Amos, Brenton Nelson, all these guys that are going to be matched up individually, whether it's in the slot or uh, with wideouts, um, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to be physical. They're going to have to fight for the football. They're going to make it difficult um, for these guys to make plays because they're going to have a little bit of a size advantage, despite the fact that we have two pretty, pretty large corners. Um, they still have some huge wide receivers. So um, I think physicality is going to be huge. Um, and doing all of that without giving up pass interference penalties, you know, that's, it's, it's something that's very inconsistently called across not only the ACC, but across the country. So we're going to get a feel for what the refs are calling early on in the game and find what that, like, what's the threshold of physicality that we can have without them throwing a flag. And we're pretty much going to have to bring that on a bunch of different plays. Um, sure. And then the last thing I see defensively is to cause some havoc. So, you know, we talk, we, you hear the coaches talking about the havoc who's and, uh, you know, getting sacks, getting turnovers. Um, I think that, you know, we didn't generate any turnovers against Clemson. Granted, they're not a team that's really going to beat themselves very often like a Duke team did. Um, but I think NC State's kind of a different ball game. Um, you put some pressure on them. Devin Leary, while he has shown a lot of promise, he's still only a sophomore. Uh, he's a young guy that I'm sure is prone to making mistakes. Um, he, he's never seen a defensive front like Virginia. And I don't necessarily mean that in a skill perspective, but just schematically, the way that we play defense, the pressure that we bring, the unpredictability of the linebackers and the safeties bringing pressure, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to figure out what the heck we're doing. And in that time period, I think we could really generate a couple sacks and turnovers and, uh, you know, give our offense a chance to give us a little bit of an early lead. So, you know, I see if we can you know, hit on all three of those things, we will have no problem handling this team. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to bring our A game and play, play a solid game to, to have a very comfortable win. Um, you know, Vegas really likes UVA coming into this game, which – has not been the trend in history. Uh, I think we opened up as nine and a half point favorites. I think it's down to like eight and a half or eight now, but still being over a touchdown favorite in a ACC game is just not something we're super used to, especially playing in the chaos coastal. Uh, exactly. So I think that maybe it's time to, now that Vegas has given us a little bit of faith, let's give them some reason to, to continue to believe in us the rest of the season. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I think, I think you hit on, everything that, you know, I, I was thinking as well, you know, it's, it's really going to come down to the defense causing that havoc and, you know, getting back to the ways of getting sacks, getting turnovers and, you know, what that defense is supposed to be known for. And obviously Clemson didn't beat themselves up. They're Clemson. They're, they're not going to. And so I think we're going to, uh, they're going to see, I think, I think, I think this is going to be the first game that we truly look at, this team and see, wow, like this team has a really bright future ahead, especially with Brandon Down. And, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine a little bit earlier and he was like, what's wild to me is that Brennan is a sophomore. Like he still has two more years. Like if he's, well, I guess three, yes, technically, because I, mean, I guess we still have this full season. I, I'm more, I meant more like after this season, but you know what I mean? The amount of time well, this kid has to add your eligibility. Oh, yeah, I so I guess the, we got to think about years. that too. Goodness, all, yeah. these, all these, all these rules with COVID and everything, it's, it's crazy to think about. Um, but the amount of development that he's getting and the amount of potential that he's showing already, 
man, the future is going to be something to watch. I'm so excited about it. Um, so, and another thing too, I kind of wanted to bring up, uh, you know, just last, last little point is Charles Snowden has been weirdly quiet, um, this year, you know, he had, I think three tackles in last game and three or four in the first game. I definitely expected to see a little more production out of him, hoping that maybe he'll, uh, he'll, uh, kind of have it coming here soon. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see about that, you know, but I think overall, I think this defense is just that good where, you know, guys like him, they're going to fill their role. And, you know, obviously you're going to, I think everybody's just stepping up right now, quite frankly, but. Um, yeah. And I think, I think Charles has been, he's been doing his part in the defensive scheme. He hasn't been making any huge plays, um, but he does set the edge well. And he also attracts a lot of attention from the defense. Um, obviously you'll hear other coaches and um, analysts out there on, on, you know, on ESPN raving about him and, you know, what I've always kind of thought was, and this is no disrespect to Charles Snowden whatsoever. Obviously, I recognize how great of a player he is, and I'm super thankful we have him. But when people talk about Charles Snowden, the things they say about versatility, size, length, his ability to, to put pressure on the quarterback, the whole time I'm just thinking, like, man, they've got him confused with Noah Taylor. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> to me, Noah Taylor shows that extra step of versatility. The guy was lined up at safety, multiple, like free safety, multiple times against Clemson. Mm-hmm and still is able to get into the backfield on the place he's lined up at linebacker and put pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, again, no disrespect to Charleston whatsoever, but I think Noah Taylor is just really showing like his draft potential game in and game out. And he's one that, you know, fingers crossed, we can hold on to him for a couple more seasons, but the second NFL scouts start to get a little bit of energy around him, they're going to love what they see uh, with Noah Taylor. So I think while Charles Snowden has been a little bit quiet, um, guys like Noah Taylor and Matt Gam have both stepped up and produced. So, um, you know, I think that's something that hopefully as those guys continue to perform, they'll attract a bit more attention from the opposing offense and maybe it'll open something up for Charles Snowden to come out there and make one of his trademark lanky arm sacks. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, you know, going into the last, last thing, as we always do, you know, we talk about, you know, what's our final score prediction and, you know, obviously we made our predictions at the beginning of the year. Uh, I picked, I predicted 35 to 14. You predicted 38 to 14. Pretty much the same, same thing for the both of us uh, as far as score goes. For me personally, um, you know, after watching NC State, especially last week against Pitt, I'm going to give them an extra touchdown, but I'm also going to give us an extra touchdown. Um, I don't think NC State's defense is going to be able to hold up, and especially with the amount of points that we've put up. Uh, so far, I definitely expect our offense to have a big day. So I'm going to go with a final score of 42 to 21. Um, I think NC State maybe get a little get a trash time touchdown or something like that. But overall, I think they're a, a team that could definitely move the football a little bit. So I think I think uh, you know it's going to be a little bit more points than probably I originally expected. Yeah, and you know I had the 38 to 14. I've thought about amending my score to something like 35 to 24, but I'm going to stick with my gut since. So far, it's, it's, it's done a pretty decent job. Um, one thing is, like, I really want to look for the defense to, like, amp it up this game and put a stop to a team that has shown an ability to put up points on the board. Um, I think it'd be awesome to hold an NC State team to 14 points, um, especially given the way they played against Pitt and Wake Forest, where they were moving the ball down the field and causing some problems. Um, you know, it's just a matter of which NC State team is going to show up. Is it going to be the one that came out against Virginia Tech and looked super flat and basically got steamrolled in the first quarter? 
or is it going to be one that comes out and competes in a rank in a game against a ranked opponent on the road like Pitt, who has a really stout defense? Um, they might still be fin- figuring out who they are, and obviously we sh- we're still figuring out who we are as well. But I think that our offense, it, it, should it execute, it shouldn't have any problems putting up points on the board. Um, it's just going to be a matter of limiting them, um, in my opinion. And I think that's the way the game's going to go. And I'm going to put faith in this UVA defense to really crank it up another notch and show what they're made of. And, you know, I think that hopefully this ends up being a comfortable win for the boys. For sure. For sure. So that's pretty much all we have for today. Um, as always, give us a follow on social media at ATR pop underscore pod on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube page, leave us a comment under the video. Uh, tell us what you like, what you dislike. Tell us about what your thoughts on the game are. Uh, leave us a review as well. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, every uh, everything that you could imagine. Uh, you'll be able to f- uh, find this. And uh, you know, we we hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, one thing that we want to let you know is that we will have a little surprise coming for you guys next week so that we're really, really looking forward to. So we hope you guys enjoy your game day and go who's go who's. Stop.